like glows in the center of the dark stage. And a tiny figure appears carrying a fieldersmith wearing worn tennis shoes. He waves casually <laughs> at the loge section and high up into the gallery. And once again, it is ready to enter that fantastic drama of existence brought to you by this serious radio station. Barbasol, Barbasol, just wet your razor, then begin. La ta cha da cha da cha. Oh, Barbasol, Barbasol, no brush, no lather, no rub in. Oh, oh, would you please? Uh, it's Friday night, of course, and we understand that Friday night is the night of the magnificent mistake. Undoubtedly, throughout the entire listening area of this dynamic radio station, there must be at least 47 trillion people who are about to dabble in romance. Good luck. You notice how my hair is flying in that breeze created by that electric fan just off stage. You know that Lenny Bernstein has a little fan that he's got at the base of his podium that in great romantic moments of Tchaikovsky, he kicks it with his knee and it makes his hair fly. Look at that. There's all kinds of little theatrics. Life is a sham, a farce, a gullum Ah, To be or not to be, that is the question. Anyone, any other suggestions? Oh, fantastic. Fuck, perfect. This goes on for 45 bars. Holy smokes. We set that man. We're going to have to have that. Yes, it is Friday night, and there's a lot of nervousness out there tonight. A lot of people are searching for their identity. <laughs> yeah, they even got a clothing place now called Limbo, because nobody there can decide which is what. You know, it's all in a kind of a gray limbo. And uh, we tonight here on this uh, serious radio station realize that, that you hear all kinds of news. You hear stock market news. You hear... Uh, News of what's happening in Vietnam. You hear news of what's happening on the home front in City Hall. Rarely do you hear of news of what is happening on the erotic front. Do you think you can stand it out there? Huh? Or does that immediately make you nervous and 45 little old ladies reach for their telephone just by automatic reflex? Huh? <laughs> well, uh, here, for example, I thought you might be interested in this little, this little fantastic romantic moment. Would you give me a little more romantic music, Miss Matt? This is a... One of those little vignettes in life's life's spinning, spinning search for the true, the true magnetic involvement of one tiny moat of humanity with another. And so tonight we salute this little romantic moment out of real life. What a fantastic half-hour TV show this would make with a script by Kraft Ebbing. New Haven, Connecticut. A New Haven woman has been charged with theft. Kathleen Hudson, 37, was arrested on the complaint of John Monroe of New Haven. Monroe said he was riding in a car with Miss Hudson when he discovered his wallet was missing. 
Miss Hudson, he said, appeared to have something in her mouth. He struggled with her and managed to retrieve one of three $100 bills, police said. She had swallowed the other two. Ah, romance. Ah, fantastic chapter that would make for Kinsey. Sent to you by the Kraft Cheese Company. Next week's drama is entitled Hearts Aflame. And next week's recipe will be English muffins a la paprika hungarium. Just pour the cheese over and remember this. Oh, you want to hear some more about the from life's uh, uh, passion front? Here's another little straw on the windy, friends. Uh, would you please give me a little more of that music? That's fantastic. You play that turntable better than anybody I know. More out of that, Matt. Listen to that. What guts? Listen, watch him run it. Boy, listen to that. Oh, perfect 33 and one third RPM. Matt has perfect pitch. The official magazine of the British Army has broken a tradition of more than 20 years standing. From here on in, they print no more pictures of girls. The girl, the pinup girl, had to go, the magazine explained in an official statement, and we quote, <coughs> Brock, uh, the <coughs> oldest soldier, will regret her passing, but the girl apparently means less to today's soldier. That reminds me, though, I'll tell you one of the great myths uh, that I, I ever uh, encountered. And, uh, of course, there's a lot of myths you keep running into. And you figure that it's you that's off base. And uh, we used to go see movies. You want to hear an Army story about the pinup in the Army? Well, I'm going to have to tell you the story of the darling of Company K of the 362nd Signal Air Warning Group. Case you'd be interested in that. How many of you have seen those pictures? You know those pictures that are constantly appearing in magazines like Look, Life, Whoopee, Pick, Zip, Wow. Uh, those various little magazines that you see in the barber shop and places, and it shows this chick and her, you know, her foot sticking up in the air there, and, and she's got, you know, the 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 uh, she's got the plastic eyelashes and the whole scene. She's looking on and says, "Barbie, Barbie, Miss Forty Seven Twenty Eighth Heavy Bombardment Squadron Wing." And it shows her outlined against the bomber. Have you ever wondered how a chick like that gets voted in? Have you ever wondered about that? Or haven't you? Or do people really think that they actually vote for them? All these guys sitting around in the PX decide that Barbie Barbie, rising young starlet. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, we had an incident one time. Right. Yeah, it's just one of those little moments, you know, I read this piece here and I thought, you know, I hadn't thought of this in a long time. And uh, one day, uh, we're all sitting around the barracks. And uh, it's Company K, the 362nd Signal Air Warning Group, a fantastically boring outfit. You just can't believe how boring that outfit was. It has a great name, though, hasn't it? It was, oh, you can't believe it. The, the biggest thing that would happen was every three or four weeks, some guy get busted. And that would keep us going for another three or four weeks. Or every maybe six or seven months, somebody would tear the, uh, uh, tear the, tear the uh, felt on the pool table. 
And then a fist fight would break out. And then that would keep us going for a while. Did I ever tell you about the guy that flipped his cork one time in the mess line? And uh, he did. He, he really flipped his wig. And, uh, you know, you always hear about guys flipping their wig. And I'm standing at the, at the end of a mess line one day, and it's hot. Oh, boy, it was 140. And uh, we're down in the tropics, see, and there's nothing but little palmettas all around us. And, uh, you know, just all around this is nothing but the sand and little uh, scrubbly pine trees, and it's 140 degrees, and you can hear in the background, you can hear the sound of this Leroy engine go... <laughs> if I ever hear another one of those four-cylinder diesel engines again that's attached to one of these generators... Do you ever see a Leroy engine, man? Well, a Leroy engine is a is a singularly angry kind of a diesel engine that uh, is nasty in a lot of ways. First of all, it stinks. It's a stinky motor. Yeah, it blows his stink out at you all the time. And it just goes... When it goes, when it doesn't go, it's about as lively as a rock. And you have to work on it. It's greasy and cruddy and crummy and heavy. And we're all standing in line one day. We've been there for mm, 200 years, I'd say about. There, was, there were a couple of guys in the line that were left over from the Boer War. You know, we swore on that. There were there were some guys, you know, you, you just knew it. They, they just were all standing in line, and you hear... It goes like that. How would you like to have about nine years of your life accompanied with that? That's a Leroy engine that's driving an SCR-271 radar set. And we, you know, we got so that our whole life was based on that beat. And you sit in your, in the sitting base, you're, you're trying to write a letter, you know, you got this little piece of paper, this crummy little, ooh, this awful paper, has little two little, little signal core flags on it. You're trying to write, and it's going, and you bounce up and down. It's funny, your writing all came out looking like little scratchy, little hand scratch, like shorthand. Guys would be uh, polishing their shoes. With the same beat, you know, guys are taking showers. So it's just going like that one day, and it's about, oh, 12.30 in the afternoon. We're all standing in chow line. And uh, suddenly, all around us, millions of, millions, trillions of tiny gnats that were so small you couldn't even see them. They start stinging everybody. All over. Your face, your arms, you're hitting yourself. Oh, what the heck? Then they go away. It goes like that. And hanging off over there on a palmetto tree is our lister bag. A lister bag is a curious device that looks like the bottom side of a cow. It has chromium udders on it. And uh, it's got four of them. And uh, they fill it full of lukewarm water, which they immediately put 17 pounds of uh, powder chlorine in, as well as 2.5 pounds of iodine, 17 pounds of, uh, of potash, and then there's another chemical, which I fail to remember at this point, but this is a chemical that's supposed to make you not want to look at pinups. And so there this is hanging there, this big cow's udder, and the, and the heat is booming down at it. And a corporal comes walking along, and he's got a little piece of ice about the size of a, oh, about the size of a ping pong ball, see. And he walks along, and everybody sees him with the ice, see. And he walks up to the lister bag, he drops the little, the little ping pong ball of ice into the top of the lister bag, he turns around and he says, Ice water, honey, you guys will want it. Ice water. 
that that 42-gallon Lister bag has been hanging in the sun now since the last few days of the Spanish-American War. It's got scum on it. You know, nobody drinks out of that crummy thing. It's got scum on it. <laughs> and there's a guy standing directly ahead of me. Now, this is a true vignette out of the Army. This guy standing ahead of me, and all of a sudden I see he's, he's beginning to pace back and forth. It's not easy to pace back and forth in a mess line. And he is pacing around. Back and forth he's going. He's pacing back and forth. Back and forth he goes, and he looks me right in the eye, turns around, and he paces the other one. Then he turns around, looks me right in the eye again, then he turns around. And all the while, the gnats go, and that motor's And we could smell the fried grease that we're going to have for lunch. And uh, you could smell it sort of drifting in a grayish, bluish smoke among the trees. <laughs> the sun is hanging there. And all of a sudden, this guy turns around. And without any warning at all, he turns around and he has a knife. I don't know where he got the knife. It's an entrenching tool. You know that knife? He pulls this knife out of his pocket. He looks at me and I says, oh, he's flipped his wig. He's got this knife. He turns. He runs right over a hill, down a hill, right up another little hill. And he sticks the knife right in the lister bag. And the water flies out. And 297 guys from Company K, 367 Signal Air Warning Group, watch this. This green, smelly water with the potash and the pearl mutter and the, the lava soap and what's left over from a few old bars of ivory and that little ping-pong ball of ice. It all rolls out on the sand. And then he comes back and stands in the line. Well, you don't ask him, you know. It's just kind of a funny thing. You know, it's quite so, why did you stab the lister bag? He just sort of stands there for a minute. And along comes a staff sergeant, calm-looking, cool cat walking along. He's got press fatigues. And he taps this guy in the shoulder and he says, hey, come on. And the guy looks at him. He says, come on. Come on. Come on. Let's go. Mac. And they walk over the hill and they walk over the next hill and they disappear in the direction of the post hospital. And the last we ever saw of them. And the vignette. Can't you see Rip Torn playing in that one? The case of the punctured lister bag or the camel that broke the ping pong ball of ice's back. <laughs> I think it was that piece of ice that guy put in there that did it. I think it was that final slap in the face. Because uh, well, ten minutes later, we're all lined up sitting there in, in, the, in the long mess hall. And we're enjoying a, a cup of that, that fantastic brew, which I still miss, the Purple Death. Do they still serve that in the Army, Matt, the Purple Death? Of course, see, he's in it, the Purple Death. They still serve the Purple Death. I'd like to walk in one day at the Rikers and say, a little Purple Death there, please. And, uh, you know, they have a great name for uh, coal cuts. A little Purple Death there. And give me some, uh, it's two words we will award you. The Brass Figure Gig with Bronze Oak Leaf Palm, if you can tell us what that is. has to do with horses. And uh, speaking of that, this is WORAM and FM New York. It's funny. Which end of the, oh, oh, hit the button there, hit it. Matt, did they call it, uh, in your outfit, they call it the purple, they call it juice. There's an all-encompassing name in the Army for anything that they put in a tin cup that's fairly liquid, and they call it juice. Hey, you guys, bring some more juice out from the back. And they pour this purple stuff. It's terrible. It looks like it's dead. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's called juice. It's simply juice in the Army. And that uh, we had uh, a kind of juice called a Purple Death. What it really was was kind of, if you can imagine, Army Surplus Reject Kool-Aid. And it was purple colored. And you could write with it. That was what was so good about it. Let's see. We've got the Rover here. <laughs> the Rover 2000. Oh, what was great about it was you could write uh, disappearing letters. 
This stuff you'd write to a chick, see, and about three weeks after she got it, it disappeared, and she couldn't put the B on you. It just disappeared, you know, completely. Everyone used to, there were a lot of rumors what it did to your virility, too, incidentally. <laughs> that stuff. Let's see, we've got Rover with us tonight. <laughs> Rover 2000 TC, speaking of a great machine. Boy, that's the Army, all right, a great machine. And, uh... Speaking of great machines, we do have the rover with us tonight, and there must be 85 million guys out there who... Uh, I, I have to give you one word of warning. Uh, if, if you like the car you've got, please don't take a, a two-and-a-half-hour drive in a rover. Uh, we have one salesman here who's almost flipped his cork uh, because of that problem. And uh, I, I, uh, I can understand why, because this is one of the truly great automobiles of the past 20 years. In fact, it's probably the most studied car in the world today. What was that? A little army whoopee calling up in there? That's my old first sergeant calling. He says, shut up, you. Uh, <laughs> it's the Rover 2000 TC, and we'd like to send you technical data and, and uh, materiel. Read the Rover 2000. Send your name and address to here, Company K. Order, I mean, uh, send your name and address to me here at WOI, and we'll send it along to you. We also have the Honda with us. Hey, did I ever tell you about the time that I saw a guy in an army motorcycle go through a chicken wire fence and that turn over twice in midair and it was one of those great moments. He landed in, in about 4,000 yards of palmetto with the motorcycle still spinning up over him, totally unscratched. And he got up and he looked at that thing. The motorcycle landed and bounced. He kicked it. Uh, he kicked the motorcycle and walked away and that motorcycle just lay there in the sand going... <laughs> Great moments of Laurel and Hardy life. Oh, oh uh, we want to point out to you that this is not what happens to you on your Honda, uh, unless you're a nut. Uh, but uh, we would like to suggest that if you are thinking of a motorcycle, by all means consider the Honda, one of the great motorcycles of the world, as you all know. And if you are planning on a Honda, by all means see Fleischmann. They're all over Long Island. they got one out in Long Beach, Long Beach Boulevard, West Islip, Bayshore, Queens one mile west of Macy. And uh, there's one also in Douglaston, Long Island. This is Fleischmann Honda. You can insure your Honda for about $24 a year, as little as that. Uh, they'll teach you how to ride it, and they'll make sure that you buy the right one. They're not going to put you on a gigantic monster that takes you over. Be careful. Uh, they, some of them do that. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, one more thing about the limelight uh, tonight. Uh, uh, tomorrow night, actually, it's the limelight. Uh, we're going to be at the limelight Saturday night live as a bug. Uh, we'll be there from uh, 10.30 until midnight. And uh, I have a special thing that I'm going to do that night, uh, that this particular show, because it is the night before Father's Day, which is a highly unsymbolic moment in uh, American life. It's one of those forced holidays that nobody really seriously celebrates. And uh, I'm going to do my special uh, Father's Day show. It's, uh, there's certain things that we can't tell you on the air, but of course women and children are listening. But we'll be down there tomorrow night between 10.30 and midnight. And if you want to make the scene, it's down on 7th Avenue South, okay? And uh, one more note, too. We'll be out at the... No, I'm not even going to mention that ball game. It's terrible. I'm liable to pop up and that's the end of that scene. Would you please bring me a little more romantic music on? Would you, Matt, just a little bit there? Right now, I am saluting somebody named Barbara Jameson, the ex-sweetheart of Company K, the 367C. 
signal air warning group. Barbara Jameson, wherever you are, your poor little aborted career, I salute you. Did you ever hear that name? Well, I'm going to tell you a little a little moment out of the reality of you know you always hear as a civilian you're constantly hearing about the you know how how it, uh, Bob Hope shows come on real big and you hear the singer and this is Bob Hope talking to you from Luke Air Force Base Hope and coming to you by way of Pepsilent and you you can just think that those those soldiers those servicemen out there are getting one show after the other there's always some fantastic show with Debbie Reynolds uh, by the way. I don't know whether any of you know the, the, the wild story of, uh, of the incident that occurred when, uh, I believe it was, Debbie Reynolds was doing a show for a group of soldiers in Korea. We'll, uh, we will not include that on the exam. Uh, that, will, we'll, uh, that will come after class. Uh, we'll discuss that when we go off the air for those of you who are man enough to stand up to it. Well, don't you know what happened? You don't know that story? Well, I can't tell it to you. If you don't know it, then there's no point in it. But I will tell you about an actual USO show. An actual show. Do you want to really hear how that really works in the, in the Army? All right. Here we are, see. The 362nd Signal Air Group, Signal Air Warning Group, sitting around in its barracks, its little steamy huts. And life is flowing on like some vast drainage canal. It's just flowing on. Oh, it doesn't really flow on when you're in an outfit. When you're in, a, in an operating outfit, it doesn't flow on like in a school where you're about to graduate from something. You're about to get shift, you know, shipped out. Uh, life was flowing on just like, like some long, low stream of elderly molasses. It just goes on. And it has a certain beat and a certain tempo. And you adjust to a certain way of life. And it's, yeah, in fact, boredom becomes truly the, the norm. You don't even know you're bored anymore. It's like the time when I was in, in Peru in the headhunter world there. These guys were sick from the time they were born. You know, they, they, uh, they had so many diseases and so many bugs in the water that they were born with, uh, with pip of the liver. And, the, and so sickness was a normal way of life. Well, after you're in a, an outfit like the 362nd Signal Error Warning Group, boredom is a way of life. This is normal. And you don't think of it being bored. You always think that your eyes are half closed all the time. And, and yeah, and, and you know that buzzing when your feet fall asleep? Well, you know, that's normal. You don't even know about that anymore. And that, that humming in your ears, that, 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 that terrible feeling of just sort of swimming slowly underwater in a sea of molasses. Well, so life is going... And the only thing that we have look, to look forward to, that, that only little glimmer of light in this vast cave of darkness, was every week. One third of us would be on, you know, we'd have to stay on the post and run that crummy little machine that we had that went around with the little buttons on it, the lights and all that stuff. One third of the crowd would do that, and two thirds would get a pass. Now, where would we go to get a pass? Well, we'd go and walk around in the boondocks. We'd get our little little weekend pass and we'd walk around out in the woods. <laughs> I mean, literally. Or we'd stand on, on the one little road that ran past this place and hitchhike. But that was no, nothing ever happened. Nothing went by there. But it was good to know that if something did come by, you might get a ride and you might go somewhere. So we'd stand out and hitchhike. 
Once in a while, we'd eat a Baby Ruth candy bar or a powerhouse bar. This is the big weekend, see? But at least you were away from this thing, if you could get away from that machine for a while. So that was the whole point of life. Every day, we'd look forward to this thing. And you'd count each day. You'd sort of notch it next to your bunk, and you'd notch it right on the, on the, on the wood of the, of the barracks. You'd notch another day. Another day. Another day. And then every week, along would come Yank Magazine. And the Yank Magazine has always got Sad Sack. Do you remember the fantastic, famous cartoon of Sad Sack lying in his sack? Famous uh, Sad Sack. So, you know, the soldier. He's lying in his sack there, and he's asleep. All of a sudden, there's this wild, fantastic look on his face. And then there's a wild, fantastic grin on his face. Then all of a sudden, he wakes up. He's looking around. And then you can see he's real scared, and he's putting on his shoes. He's putting on his coat, and he's running out. And the last scene, you see him running into this place that's got the big green light out in front of it. This holy smoke just made it. All right. <laughs> You'll have to explain that to him. So, so this is uh, the kind of life. We, once a week, we'd get Yank magazine. So all the while, it's going with the machine. Ooh, your head is going. Well, you got the scene now. We've all been sitting on our... You know what's for weeks on end and polishing brass. Oh, yeah, the biggest moment would come when they get in a new shipment of Lifebuoy soap. That would be a big day. Yeah, we'd all go down and say, hey, there's new Lifebuoy in. And I'll never forget the time that they got two cases of Milky Way bars in. This, uh, oh, yeah, guys shotguns up in the air. And, you know, it was terrible. Uh, it was like the end of the war. Everybody's running around because we get two cases of Milky Way bars in just like that, which incidentally all the sergeants immediately confiscated and gave to the chicks in the whole neighborhood, but at least we knew they were there. They were there for a couple of seconds. And so that's the way life was going on, like a long, one long song, like the kind of song that my Aunt Min used to sing with her false teeth, that kind of song. And uh, we're sitting there one day, and somebody comes in, he's got this funny look on his face. He walks in the barracks, and he's got that look on the face that says only one thing when it happens in an operating company. What do you think they done now? You know, what? You, you, guess what? He walks in. He stands there. Gasser. He stands there in the doorway, and somebody turns around and says, What's the matter? He says, Oh, I can't even tell you. And somebody else says, What do you mean? What happened? Are we getting shipped? What? You know, there's that, that hope that you are getting shipped and that fear that you are getting shipped. What do you mean we're going to get shipped? What? What? He says, Go down and look on the bulletin board. And five minutes later, the entire company is walking past the bulletin board, and there it says the entire company, the entire group, will be restricted to the post next week for a show, for a USO show. It's the first time any show we, we'd always been hearing about this. You know, we, once in a while when they'd have a movie, they'd show us the movie, and there would be a newsreel that would show Bob Hope entertaining the troops somewhere. I have a feeling he's got prop troops. I never knew a troop he entertained, you know. Uh, I never saw Debbie Reynolds. I never saw any of that stuff in the Army. And so we, we began to feel that we were in some kind of a separate army, you know. It reminds me, that's why when I read, when I read uh, Mr. Roberts, I could, I could, I could not, I, I never, I don't recall ever really having as much empathy with a single piece of writing about that whole fiasco than reading Mr. Roberts because I could I could just sense this whole um, this boredom just went on and on I remember his ship it sailed from Anhui you remember uh, it sailed from Anhui to uh, Monotony it sailed between those two islands continually <laughs> between Anhui and Monotony 
<laughs> by way of apathy. Occasionally, it would put in an apathy for two days. Well, that was the way our company it just went on and on. You never hear about this side of this thing. On and on, just like it was like you were floating forever in some kind of a rotten, rented rowboat that was made out of lead. And, and, and it was slowly leaking around your feet. And once in a while, you'd bail it a little bit. And, and you were fishing with a fishing pole that had no hook on it. And, and the, the line just went right down in the water. And you knew that you were fishing in water that had no fish in it. And there was a guy who kept coming around hollering once in a while, Keep them poles down! All right, you guys, on a stick now. Keep them lines in the water. And you turn around once in a while, there's no fish in the water. There's no water here. Shut up on a stick, you guys. All right, all together now. Pole inspection by the numbers. From and you're just floating up and down, bobbing in the water, nothing happening. And here it is on the bulletin board. It says, we're going to have a show. we got to go to the show. Well, at first, there was a little excitement about it. And then it began to dawn on everybody that they're not going to get out this week. You know, this, we, we are restricted to the post for this week. The show is coming. And it's going to come on Saturday morning. It's going to be the show, see. And that we're all going to have to get. They're going to have a second show, which you're going to have to go to on Sunday, too, because they have two versions of the show they do. So we got to go to the show on two days. Oh, boy. And, and about Wednesday, they began to put up this little platform. Yeah, the little platform. You've, you've seen it in the movies? That it always shows Bob Hope on wearing the fatigues. Or it shows Jack Benny on wearing the fatigues. Or it shows Rita Hayworth on wearing the fatigues. Well, they put one of those, and everybody's, you know, there's a first, there's a little excitement about it. You know, wow, we, gee whiz, you know, who, who's going to be on the show? And the first sergeant's walking around. He says, look, he says, don't mind who's going to be on the show, you guys. Nobody, none of your business who's going to be on a show. It's a show, you're going to go to the show, and I want to hear a lot of noise at that show. And a lot of yelling. Okay? Yeah. Okay. And so now it's Thursday, and they got a detail of about 45 guys, and they're putting this little stage together. They're nailing it together with the green paint. And we're walking around seeing this thing. And all the while, our motor's going... <laughs> our radar set is going... And the mosquitoes are going... And the gnats are biting us. And once in a while, a guy flips his wig and runs off into the swamp, disappears into the mouth of an alligator or something. It's going on and on and on. Here we are, floating midway between apathy and monotony now. See, we're sort of, we're sort of broaching sideways. And there's a little excitement, see, because the show is coming. Well, now it's Friday night, and the first sergeant, the big yelling and hollering, All right, you guys, we got a show coming in. All them people from the show is going to be in in about a half an hour. It's going to be all kinds of people here. We're going to have a GI party like we ain't had in years. I want to see nothing but uh, 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 and elbows. You got it? I want to see nothing but uh, uh, and elbows. All right? All right, let's get moving. Draw your brushes. Draw all your soap. Draw your cans. Draw everything down at the supply room. On the tumble, let's get moving. Well, immediately there is this fantastic myth and rumor and all the rest of it that ran through the company like wildfire that Debbie Reynolds is going to sleep in our barracks tonight. 
or something. And we, you know, it's fantastic. So here we are. We're down on our hands and knees and we're scrubbing old, old barracks. Gee, we're scrubbing it away with sand and pumice stone. You know, guys are out outside cleaning the windows for the first time in nine years. And somebody is even out cleaning the dipoles, Matt, on the radar set. You know, he's out there with the, with the blitz cloth. You know, we want him to, the radar set's got to look good, you know. And guys are even cleaning the scope screens so that you can see him for the first time, you know, on your ears. Say, hey, look at the green thing going around in it. I never saw that. Hey, hey, you guys, there's a little green dot goes around in this little window here. Hey, what is that? That's something wrong down there with a Kia? Oh. And they're cleaning it for the first time. You know, you see it, and it's going. Everybody's all excited. Well, now it is about it is about 10 o'clock on, on Friday night. The place is wild with excitement. It's fantastic excitement. And we hear these trucks pulling in. You can hear these big prime movers and these troop carriers coming in. There's about four of them. They come in through the through the boondocks. And everybody's all excited. And the first session, I'll call you guys. Now, I don't want to have any hollering. And down at the other end of our little area, there was the officer's quarters. A little special place there, you see. And, uh, of course, there were all kinds of rumors about the fantastic fixtures that they had down there. These, you know, there were always rumors. They got real light bulbs in their place down there. They've got screens. They got everything down there. And so the trucks went right past the company street, right on down, down towards the officers' quarters, and that was the end of it. There's a place that says, you know, you can't go beyond this. This is officers' country here. And so we see the trucks disappear, and everybody's peering down there in the lights, and we hear a lot of yelling and hollering. We see all the officers going down with their pinks on and stuff. And the yard birds are all sort of walking around with their eyeballs hanging out, and their fatigue hats on, and all excitement. Oh, boy, what a fantastic. Did you hear? Immediately a rumor starts going through of about this wild orgy that's going on down there in the boondocks, you know, in the officer's department. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah, second lieutenant. Ah, big scene. All right, Saturday morning dawns bright and clear after a night of sleepless excitement, a night of, of fantastic anticipation. It is now 5.45. Boom! The gun goes off, and they have reveille, and the motor is going... You know, the whole scene, you know, going on. Breakfast. We come down the first time in memory our company sat down to breakfast with tablecloths in the mess hall. Take a white tablecloth, and the powdered eggs were stirred this time. It was the first time that the powdered eggs didn't come out looking like little golf balls. And, uh, you know, little sort of greasy golf balls. And so we're sitting down the real powdered eggs. You know, and there's nothing better than real powdered eggs fried in fusel oil. It's really good. You get to develop, you get it, you develop a taste. And there's a special kind of, Matt, you've had that French toast in the Army, that special French toast. <laughs> the Army specializes in that. It's great. It's uh, it, how they manage to take a piece of bacon and make it overdone and raw at the same time is incredible. This is a, this is a truly a, a massive feat of gastronomic skill. It's, it's just amazing. And they have this kind of French toast that's fat on one end and skinny on the other. And the fat end, is the, it's got the powdered eggs dripping off of it, see? <laughs> and it's thick. The other end is black. It's, the other end is made out of pure, uh, pure carbon, see? And they poured this, this army syrup all over it which is like perfume-scented water. It's poured all over this stuff, see? And, it's kind of, and everybody's all excited, though. You know, we're digging in. We're all excited and yelling and hollering. And we, we have, and uh, this was another big moment, we have fresh milk today. We had, we had one quart of milk to split up in the company. Now, if, I don't know whether you know uh, how much a company is in the Sigla Corps. A company can go up to 4,000 men. 
in the signal corps. Our company was about 265 sore heads. And so we, there's a quart of milk, and we walk around, and everybody pours a little of the milk and the coffee, and it's gee whiz, you know, it's 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 a, it's rejoice time, you know, it's the it's the fantastic time. So we're drinking the hot coffee and the milk, and we could see our quart of milk down. Everybody's proud of the bottle. We passed it around and looked at it and felt it and and they talked about it. And and they even had three fresh eggs that were seen back in the kitchen. Everyone went everyone went back and looked at the actual shells. We were not used to seeing real shells with our eggs and that. And so it was a big moment. And now we are all spick and span. It is Saturday morning. We have a we have a, an inspection. Our belt buckles are checked. Three guys faint. Yeah, you do that. That's just done. Uh, we, we, we used to draw lots uh, before an inspection of who's going to faint this week. Well, you know, it's traditional. You know how the cold stream guards and all that faint. And so we're all standing at attention. It's all over now. And sure enough, the PA system says, All right, Mom. Okay, ma'am, in just 15 minutes, uh, just outside of the, just outside of the day room, the stage is already up. In just 15 minutes, you can start assembling for your seats for the big show. All right, ma'am, and don't push, don't shove, and let's have a good time. All right, remember that, ma'am, a good time. Well, so <laughs> everybody takes off, you know, like a bird. They want to be out in front. And there I am. I'm sitting in the second row, my eyes popping. I'm at long last a real soldier, you know, where the USO show comes and Bob Hope broadcasts from and the Pepsodent and all that stuff and who knows what. You know, we may see almost anything today. And I'm sitting there in the front row and the whole crowd, the whole gang. You've seen those pictures of all the soldiers sitting in the sun beating down. We got our, we got our equipment all shined up and, and our faces are all shined. We even brushed our teeth and everything. The whole scenes and we're all sitting there waiting. 12.30 comes, nothing. It's now quarter to one. Show is supposed to start at 12, see. It's now quarter to one. It's now one o'clock. And a little fat lady suddenly appears, I mean a really little fat lady, suddenly appears and she gets out of a jeep driven by a fat major and she goes up on the stage and there's a piano sitting up there and she starts to play. She goes, She's from a long way to Tipperary. This gal is a holdover from the USO of World War One, and we got her. And then she says, all right, boys, all together now, sing along with me. It's a long way from Tipperary. Company K sat there. You know, they could not believe their eyes. They're sitting there, you know. And, and the first sergeant turns around, and he, he turns the ray on the entire company, you know, just turns around like that. And you could just see it coming out of his eyeballs. He turns back, and he starts to holler, It's a long way from Tipperary! Well, you know, you know, you get the hint, you know, there's no question, but there's a hint. Yeah, it's in the air, you know. We, we suspected that there was something required of us. And so I didn't, I didn't know the words to this, you know, nobody, and so somebody says, Tipperary, and she's up there going, it's a long way to Tipperary, and she played a piano, I'll tell you, that, that made a player piano look like and sound like Thelonious Monk. 
Well, this went on for two and a half hours. She finishes Tipperaria, and then she goes, Over there, ta 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 over there, ta 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 Give a prayer, give a prayer, over there, da 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 Well, this old doll went on. I don't know where she is now, but all I can say is, I'll tell you, the war was the best thing that ever happened to her. This old doll goes on for about two and a half hours, and after she would finish, everybody would applaud. She'd finish a two, and everybody would go, hey, figure she's done, you know? And she would take that to mean, go, baby, go. Well, after two hours of this, she finally gets up and says, well, boys, we've got to continue the show. Everybody says, oh, great. Now we're going to get the rest of the show. Well, out of the little tent that they had set up next to the next to the stage comes this guy. You wouldn't believe it, Matt. This guy is 84 years old. He's got a straw hat. He's got a cane. And he comes out, and the lady starts to play the piano. And she goes, da, 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 ra, da, 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 da. He's a tap dancer. And all the while, our motor's going, wah, 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 you know, for the first time, that Leroy engine sounded good. You could hear it, and you know, you could hear it sound the sound of normality. And this lady's going, tan, ta ta and he's going, All right, boys, all together now, let's shuffle off to Buffalo. <sighs> well, he went on for 25 minutes, or until his knee gave out. And then on came, on came a tall, thin lady who, believe it or not, sang trees. I think that I shall never see a poem lovely. And the little lady with the flowered dress and the fatigue pants played trees. I think. And that was the end of the show. And we all wandered back to our barracks. Sather, wiser. But yet, somehow, at this point in time, I look back, and I don't know whether I, I feel sorry for those people, or whether I love them, <laughs> or what, you know? Out there in the boondocks with their little upright piano, their straw hat, the little lady that played temporary, da, 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 and that crack voice, and that first sergeant used to that I can still see the look on that first sergeant's face looking around about every 30 seconds. All right, wise guys. No smart talk back there. Yes, that's the way it really is when the troops get a show. That's the really... Oh, and you should have heard the reviews in the barracks later on. Uh, we had several drama critics, working drama critics in Company K, and they were very, very kind that night. In fact, uh, they were a little kinder, perhaps, than Walter Kerr on an off night. And somewhere out there, hail and farewell, troopers. Hail and farewell. Uh -huh.